the final painting. The last of our exhibit has to do with one Josef Strober, a Nazi war criminal hiding in South America, a monster who wanted to be a fisherman. This is his story. My name's Chris Brown, and you're listening to episode three of the Night Gallery podcast. Um, as you could hear from the dulcet tones of Rod Sailing there, this is the last story in the pilot, the TV movie pilot. It's called The Escape Route. Um, give you a brief idea about what the story's about. It stars uh, Richie Kelly as uh, Joseph Strobel. He is a Nazi hiding in Buenos Aires um, he's been on the run for like 20 odd years now um, and his life is pretty rubbish to be honest with you he's um, hiding from the uh, the, na- the na- Nazi hunters he has got a rubbish job um, it gets mentioned that he does menial work basically um, by the other two Nazi hunters as they kind of the net tightens up on him um, he lives in a dingy flat next door to a prostitute who hates him, absolutely hates him. Um, the only shared thing they have between them is the fact that they can both speak German. That's about it. Um, she loves to talk to him for a little bit, make it sound like she is on his side, and then remind him of the horrors that he committed. Um, and he's just massively haunted by what he's done in the past um, he struggles, I mean he genuinely struggles with what he's done um, the opening shot is basically him staring at a fan remembering the deaths in, in the holocaust um, one of the things that keeps him sane I suppose is that as a museum um, an art gallery and one of the paintings there is of a man sitting on a sailboat fishing and it's very, very calming for him. I think it uh, soothes him quite a lot. Anyway, he's looking at it one day and he sees a different man. Uh, a man, uh, an, old, an old fella, who is looking at a very different kind of painting. It's influenced by the Holocaust. It features a man being crucified with flames and it's quite brutal, really. 
Anyway, this man is a survivor from one of the concentration camps and remembers Strobel, knows that's not his real name and knows that he was uh, quite an influential guard. So he basically marks his card and that's it. Strobel, uh, Strobel knows that he's in trouble. He starts to fall apart really, looks to leave. But while this is going on, there's something else as well, a more supernatural elements happening. The painting that he loves of his of this man on this fishing boat, he sees it one day and, it's ch and the picture's changed. It looks, rather than the back of the guy's head, you see him from a side profile and it's definitely of him. I mean, you can tell it's him because there's a scar on his face and the, the, the painting has the same side, same scar in the same place. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it, it kind of drives him a bit crazy, to be honest with you, this idea. He believes that the the painting will offer him an escape, that he'll be able to become that man and live on that boat and with serenity, really. Um, obviously, that doesn't happen, because it's it wouldn't be much of a story. What happens is, uh, okay, now spoilers... Unsurprisingly, the Nazi hunters finally grip his collar and he gets caught, but they don't do it very well and he manages to escape. What he does is he runs to the gallery, effectively. Um, this is his attempt to... his own escape route, as it were. Runs in front of... It, the, the, paint, the gallery's closed for a rehang of the paintings, and all the paintings are covered. And he runs to where he thinks is the sailboat and begs God to be allowed to enter into that painting away from this world. What he doesn't realise, obviously, is that it isn't the painting of the man in the sailboat. It is painting from the Holocaust. It's the, and like the last shot is of his face in the painting of the man being crucified, screaming in terror. Justice is done, I suppose, and his punishment is... Uh, quite a grisly one. What I'd say about this episode is that, well I love it, I mean I love this story, I think it's such a good close to the pilot. Um, the thing about Night Gallery is it starts very strong and gets weaker as it goes along. Um, some of the stories are pretty poor in places, I mean we're not going to dwell too much on the rubbish, but um, this, at, at this stage they can do no wrong really, I mean it's good um, the best thing about it is, though, is Richard Kiley as as that Strobel character. You know, he's a he's a good choice. I mean, he gives a person who could appear like a pantomime villain uh, a lot of no nobility, or he's quite upright. I mean, he's a nice. He's got, he's got strength to his character. He's a monster, but a believable one. He's no vaudeville villain, as such. It's uh, directed by uh, Barry Shear, who is another TV veteran really, he's a safe hands. he gives um, it this is the episode, this story from the episode which I think obviously got the most money, there's lots of sets in it, um, there's, there's an outside uh, street uh, which has been done on a back lot somewhere, the, um, the each individual, I mean there's a bar set and there's the gallery set and there's his home, and it, it spends quite a lot of money on it but Despite all 
like all the cash that's been spent. Uh, Barry Shea rightly focuses almost entirely on uh, Kylie's character, uh, on the Strobel character. It's um, he a char- he's a character that carries his scars, not just physical ones like the one on his face, but he's such he's really haunted by what he's done, but still not enough to hand himself in. Um, he wants to escape. I mean, the entire story is about trying to escape your past. And um, Strobel is is definitely trying to run away. It's based on a Rod Serling uh, script from another one of his short stories. Um, it's unlike, I would say, some of the earlier... Well, like Eyes. I mean, we, we're talking about Eyes and we're saying that it, it, it features some of the problems that Serling scripts can have, which is they are written down beautiful and then you have to say them and the actors struggle. Um, this is a case where that it doesn't happen. Um, Strobel is a very articulate character, but bulk the bulk of his work is he's just angry, constantly angry and constantly trying to escape um, his own torment, really. What I'd say about the twist ending, which I think was very interesting, is... Well, you can see it in two different ways. Um, one would be justice has been served. Um, he's asked for God's help, and God has basically sent him straight to hell for it. Um, a prankster kind of worth. I mean, I'm not that religious a guy, but um, I don't really like the idea from, with that interpretation that God has somehow just just kind of gone, I don't know, it's, it's quite spiteful. I know a man like Strobel doesn't deserve a lot of forgiveness, but you'd like to think that um, he wouldn't be <laughs> he wouldn't be trapped in such a backhanded kind of way. Um, obviously there's a careful what you wish for kind of element to it, but for me, I think it's more a metaphor. A metaphor for somebody who is trying to escape their past, but struggles to. Um, you can't really run away from what you've done because you're, you're the person that always carries it and I think that's very true with this episode um, Strobel is you know he ran away to Buenos Aires and then he was going to run away again to, into a, trying to run his way into a painting but it's that holocaust which is the thing that he, he's carried with him and his judgement and his justice is extreme um, but probably fitting for what he's done. I just don't like the idea of it being a god just kind of going, ah, tricked you. <laughs> it just seems a bit silly. Um, so yeah, I mean, Strobel is, is a monster, but a believable one. Um, you can imagine him being like that. Um, it's It's bleak, really. To think it's kind of a, I wouldn't say it's a downer ending, considering it's the end of the pilot. But it is a, it's 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 the most horrifying conclusion I would say. Um, in talking of it in terms of being the pilot, I mean the cemetery's ending was a, one of fear. Um, eyes was a kind of a, backhanded. Shock kind of ending of the glass falling and falling out the window. But this one is like you. Ba- you basically get sent to hell, and that's a, quite a 
difficult and nasty way and a, a, quite a, a violent payoff to finish your story on. Um, what I'd say about the pilot as a whole is that it's, it's I mean, it's great. It's great. It, it shows basically the three elements, types of stories that work best in this series. Um, you've got the 50s kind of uh, EC Comics uh, gothic horror in the first story, uh, Cemetery. And you've got more brutal modern horror with like the eyes uh, idea about a guy losing his sight so somebody else can have it for only a brief time. Um, and also this one, which is basically set in pretty much reality, apart from the supernatural twist at the end. And I wouldn't say it was a twist, more of a, yeah, like a twist of the knife. It's a gut punch ending. It's a shock. It's a real shock ending and a nasty one. And I really like that. I really like it. It's got teeth to it. Anyway, that's the pilot. Um just to give you a bit of background about what happened next basically NBC were happy with it, they were happy with the story they were it did well once it was aired um, it was popular but they were worried about the anthology format so went for 6 hour long episodes which were put on rotation with other programs, it was also on quite late at night so it wasn't the roaring success I think Serling was hoping for also what I'd say is Sailing decided, because he was, that he didn't want to be part of the production team as such. I think he thought that having his name on it and signing the contract, well, the contract was that he had to do the introductions, and also that he was he had to provide some of the scripts. But I think he thought having his name on it would buy him a share at the producer's table, and it didn't. Um, we're going to go into that kind of stuff when it comes up. Um, I was saying before, there's some bad episodes, well, bad stories, I should say. There's no real bad episodes as such, but because of the way we're doing this in this format, there were going to be weeks when we're talking about some of the more comedic stories. So we'll go at that stage rather than going into um, tournament, which totally are terrible because they just whack. It's all grim, macabre stuff, and then they just whack these stories in, and they're just, oh, man. Um, so at that point, we'll go more into the problems behind the story is as such and behind the uh, behind the scenes uh, rather than just sitting there just banging on about how bad some of these, some of these stories are um, but yeah, that's quite a negative way to, to end this episode um, it's, and there's no reason to be because the quality at this stage and throughout to be fair is at a standing high Night Gallery's patchy but when they're good they're really good and next week is a fantastic opener to the season season one it's the Dead Man which a lot of people say is their favourite. Um, I'm a caterpillar man myself, which we'll get to a lot further down the line in season two. But the Dead Man is just so cool. It's like uh, it's got a bit of hypnosis in it. It's about uh, body reanimation. It's quite Lovecraftian, really. It's also, um, I would say, fits into more the cemetery kind of story, like uh, kind of gothicy kind of uh, kind of tale. If you want to send any feedback, that would be really good. Um, feedback is at nightgallery at thetwilightzonepodcast.com. Um, all future episodes are going to be hosted on thetwilightzonepodcast.com. Um, 
if you want to, you can subscribe to us through iTunes there as well. There's a little button that'll open up your iTunes so you can subscribe and also RSS feeds or direct downloads. Um, so hopefully I will see you next week for another episode of the podcast uh, with the dead man.